Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Recently, my girl took me to a uh, street fair, right? You guys ever been to a street fair, you know? They close up the block, there's like shawarma, there's like people with no teeth and making keychains, you know? It's a typical girlfriend idea. It sucks, and it's going to take all Saturday, right? <laughs> right? She's like all excited. She's like swinging my arm. Oh my God, this is going to be great, right? I'm like praying for lightning, some sort of scaffolding to fall down on my head, you know? So she comes up, first place she comes up to is this, this big table, nothing but like homemade jewelry, right? Homemade jewelry, okay? It's got twigs in it, macaroni, right? But she loves it, right? She's like, oh my God, this stuff is so funky, right? She's like trying on the earrings. Do you like these? Do you think these are nice, right? I want to be like, no. If they were nice, they'd be in a store, all right? There'd be a roof. Some sort of structure would be built around this, right? <laughs> the guy from The Mandalorian there. Yes. That's a Mandalorian. Eh. We're, on, we're on a different planet. Eh. Uh, there you go. So, I got different ways of doing things over in England. You know that? A fag <laughs> is a cigarette yes. in England. Huh? I've, yes, I've heard that. Yes. Uh, Boris Johnson wants to meet with social media firms over racist abuse of England players. Have you been hearing about this? Because several of the players on the English soccer team that lost to Italy in the shootout over the weekend were black men who failed to score. Apparently, a lot of people have been hurling a lot of racist stuff at him, and that's really uh, it's horrible, ugly and yeah. awful and terrible, and why do you got to do that? Don't do it's that. Good thing uh, England didn't lose the shootout with Italy in 1945. Hmm. They were tougher then. Boris Johnson says the social media companies should hand over the details of the identi- identities of those responsible for racist abuse. 
That's something. We expect social media companies to do everything they can to identify these people. Uh, They have such a different view of this sort of thing in England than we have in the United States. It's absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They have all sorts of different rules and laws that you can get prosecuted if you just hurt somebody's feelings. If you say, you know, uh, a lot of uh, the Islamic world is really repressive. That could be taken as an insult against the religion. You're in trouble. Bojo, with his tussled hair, said uh, it, this went on in the dark spaces of the Internet, and he calls on the Internet companies to police themselves better to get rid of this sort of content, or there will be uh, there will be problems. So, you know, it's kind of like what we've been talking about in the United States. If the government is saying, hey, social media companies do this, or we're going to make life difficult for you, um, how much sway do they have over them? And uh, how much policing are you supposed to, how would you do it? How much are you going to do it? You know, where does it cross the line if you're really criticizing a player? I mean, you could get rid of N-bombs and stuff like that, I suppose, but. Well, you know, this this is a different case because it's, it's horrible and it's uh, it's indefensible and it's stupid and the rest of it, but. The censors always, always, always overreach. They always abuse their authority. They always step on people's rights, and they always will. Who knows? Maybe next they'll censor anybody suggesting uh, COVID-19 leaked out of a lab. What do you think about the social media companies handing over the identities of these people to the government? I think that's a terrible idea. Of course, again, if you know, English law, I think, is dumb. In terms of the uh, in- insulting people's religions laws in particular, um, and and it extends to racism too, which of course is loathsome. But um, I suppose if you ran afoul of the law and it's a crime, I would have to know about England's codes for privacy and and then phone records and the rest of it. I don't know. It's it's kind of a legal question. A brief look at where we are with COVID. It's brief. Don't tune out. The Delta variant, as you know, is the main variant. So when we're talking about COVID, we're talking about the Delta variant. Cases have doubled in three weeks in the United States. Uh, they're going up pretty rapidly. And now deaths are starting to tick up after hitting a low of, what were we down to, 200 a day at some point? Now they're starting to tick back up again. And in the states where they got low vaccination rates, Mississippi, I think, is last on the list of vaccinating They've got seven kids in the ICU, two on life support currently. Wow. And there wow, haven't been many sad. kids. There haven't been many kids die in the entire year and a half we've been doing this in the whole country. So the fact that they've got seven kids in the ICU and two on life support is is notable, I think. Well, they think the Delta variant may be tougher on kids. That's gonna change it's, it's my early. calculation. It's hard to say. It is hard to say and it is early, but that'll change my calculation. I wasn't planning on getting my kids vaccinated at all. I, I haven't really even thought about it. But if it turns out this Delta variant, kids can get it and actually get sick, whole new ball game then. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? School's closed for another year. What do we do? Why would schools close for another year? Because it would well, take so long kids, to get well, them vaccinated? No, uh, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, if we're not successful in getting the kids vaccinated. Sorry, I was I was half daydreaming about the strategies. That, oh, my God. I mean, because if, if kids start getting really sick and dying... Um and and you don't have five six seven eight year olds uh, vaccinated yet. We're not sure it's safe. Um, that could be just horrific next year. Well, plus it would just take a while if they if they if they announced today and it wouldn't be today. It'd be a month from now when school's about ready to start. If they announced today though that up oh, Delta variant gets kids, makes them sick, got to get them vaccinated. You know, you remember how slow the rollout was. I mean, it, is it the same exact vaccine for kids as for yeah. adults? 
They're doing the same? I, I believe so, yeah. Well, then it shouldn't be that hard because the vaccine's already out there and we got the places set up and all that. Well, yeah, so, but first of all, you have to prove that it's safe for kids. And then secondly, you have to get buy-in from people that they will go ahead and get their little kid jabbed. Yeah. And the percentages we've seen of uh, opt-outs among the adult population, Only... I think will be dwarfed by the people who don't want their kids to get jabbed. Very good point. Only 55% of Americans have received at least one dose so far. I think that includes all Americans because for adults it's higher than that. Mm-hmm. But if you've got if you got thirty percent of adults who aren't going to get it, you know what would be the percentage of people who aren't going to give it to their kids? Got to right. it'd be half. Then what do you do? I don't know. Well, you could yeah maybe maybe uh, you open up the school for people who are willing to get their kids jabbed. I, I I think I would let my kids get the shot. I don't know if my wife would go along with that. We'd have to talk it over. Yeah. Well. I'd sure like to get more data. Uh, definitely. Before you I mean, start I'm giving little with, kids. Yeah, I've made a reasonably uh, uh, rigorous I'm analysis old. of it. And, we right. got one foot in the grave. What's it going to do to us? Exactly. I need to get out of the way anyway, biologically speaking. So, And plus, I've done plenty of reading and asking around. I feel perfectly comfortable with the vaccine uh, for myself. But uh, I'm not going to get on the air and say, give your little kid, your five-year-old a shot, your seven-year-old a shot. I don't know. Right. Because there are plenty of drugs that are fine for adults that are, you have to be extremely careful with little kids. On the other hand, if the Delta's flying around, it does start making kids sick and really sick, then you got to wait against that. A maybe yeah. versus a kind of certainty. Yeah, yeah, although, again, you've got to go back to the, um, if 99.4% of kids are just fine anyway, uh, okay. you got you got vaccinate, isolate, or take your chance. Terminate. No, Exacerbate. it doesn't have to rhyme. The first two just happen to rhyme. They don't have to, right? <laughs> Contemplate. This is serious per- stuff. Then percolate. <clears throat> Look at that. I'm looking over at the San Francisco Chironicle. It's a liberal paper. Um, <laughs> and here's a little kid outside in a mask. Yeah. Well, that, where I live, that's, that's so common that you don't even note it. I mean, it's just. I mean, this, this is the, the river of COVID is difficult enough to navigate without the currents of stupid that, that are just flowing back and forth constantly. Not to mention, you know, conflicting uh, words from the world of science as they all get together and issue heavily politicized statements, then retract them hours later or what have you. I have this headline for you. Fitness influencer dies after botched operation to fix constant sweating. What kind of operation do they give you to keep you from sweating so much? We're going to implant a layer of saran wrap (laughs) under your skin, uh, your entire body. Uh, a, a billion and a half tiny corks in your pores. I don't know what don't they do. Many. But uh, she died from it, so don't get that done, kids. Uh, uh, President of the United States, th- th- this guy, the, he's supposed to be the calm one, the grown-up in the room, right? We're supposed to go back to normal. Uh, said we're in the worst spot since the Civil War yesterday, which is the definition of hyperbole. Uh, we'll hear from a little from him and then some of the details of what he's actually talking about. What caused the Democrats in Texas to leave the state? Do you know what these... Awful, awful, repressive Jim Crow laws are like. Stay tuned. We'll have that for you next. Armstrong and Getty. The 
apocalyptic and historic Republican voting bill included some very radical restrictions. Like, I don't know, requiring driver's license or social security numbers for mail-in voting. We're not talking about uh, photocopying IDs here. We're just talking about voter identification for mail-in ballots. Beefing up criminal penalties for election workers who break rules. Now, we know Dems, they don't like penalties, especially when you burn things. And adding an extra hour for early voting each day from eight hours, which it currently is, to nine hours at a minimum. Keep in mind, Texas already has 17, 17 days of early voting on Election Day. Good luck, Texas voters. How are you going to find 15 minutes within 17 days in at least a nine-hour window each day? Sheer suppression. Yeah, that's a decent rundown of the outlines of uh, what the voting law is going to do. Jim um, Crow on steroids. Yeah, and just shocking. I don't know. I, I get the political game. Um, you claim that it's suppression to go back to the way it was in 2019, knowing that most people don't pay attention and they'll only get their news from you know the, the half that is misleading you. Not that both sides don't try to mislead you. Um, but so you'll hear that they're, they're 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 making it harder to vote. Yeah, they're making it harder to vote than it was in 2019. I'm no, sorry, than 2020 because 2020 was a special year. Uh, anyway, so uh, this is what the president of the United States, not just you know some low, the lower not AOC level, for God's yeah exactly sake, yeah. or or or, or <laughs> the, the, the or something like that. No, this is the president of the United States. This year alone, 17 states have enacted. Not just proposed, but enacted 28 new laws to make it harder for Americans to vote. Not to mention, and catch this, nearly 400 additional bills Republican members of the state legislatures are trying to pass. The 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. And we're going to challenge it vigorously. While... Ramesh Panuru, writing in Bloomberg today, said from the very same source that Biden was stating there, where he said that 17 states have passed 28 laws to make it harder to vote, and a lot of those are just going back to the old rules. Some of them are new, but a lot of them are just going back to the old rules. But that same source, 17 states have passed 28 laws to make it harder, 14 states have passed 28 laws to make it easier, and four states appear on both lists. So it's a lot more complicated than Biden's, you know, 21st century Jim Crow assault would lead you to believe. Sure, absolutely. You know, it's I thinking about this is kind of a complex thought, but you can't throw around loosely references to the Holocaust or you'll get in trouble for it. The Jewish groups in particular and and those who care about them will absolutely hammer you for minimizing the horrors of the Holocaust. Well, like the woman that lost her job on the Mandalorian. That sort of uh, thing. Yeah, that was totally out of line, firing her over that. But anyway, um, just as a for instance, but the very people who claim to be just heart and soul for protecting black America are brutally, obscenely minimizing the Jim Crow era to score minor political points right now. Yeah, that's just unbelievable. God, the hypocrisy is just so thick. Uh, let's go ahead, as long as we're uh, up to our ears and Biden just trying to tear the pun- country apart. Let's hear 31. The assault on free and fair elections is just such a threat, literally. I've said it before. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. 
since the Civil War. It takes serious balls. I mean, like the size of a hippity hop to, to say since the Civil War, that's not hyperbole. Whoa. Whoa. Half a million dead Americans, people starving to death in prisoner of war camps, brother fighting brother, the country torn apart completely. But this is the biggest challenge since then. That Texas is only allowing 20 days of early voting or whatever it is. So this is... That's that's so bad. It is. That is so bad on so many levels. It's definitely bad. It's definitely bad. Joe Biden never used to say stuff like that. No, he didn't. He said dumb stuff, but... Trump said lots of things I wish he hadn't said, and now Biden's saying things he wish he hadn't said, so we're just like, you know, trying to... Instead of go down, like, one-up each other, and we're just going to keep going that direction, that's that's not good. That's not going to help anybody. No, no. Uh, apropos of nothing, um, they, they do a feature in the New York Times when they talk to an author every week uh, in their book section where they say, what book should everyone read before they're 40? What should nobody? What, what book should nobody read until they're over 40? And I always thought that was kind of interesting, breaking it down by age like that. Well, what's the idea? What's the premise there? Well, I, I've just come to f- completely understand it recently. I read... Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf. Are you familiar with that book? Have you read it? Just vaguely. No, I, I haven't read it. I may have read it in high school or college. I don't know. It's you know, it's on your top ten list of greatest novels of all time, all the time, that book. Um uh, but I read it as a guy in his fifties. It's about characters in their fifties, and it was so like relatable and powerful. And oh. I thought if I had read this as a high school student, it would have meant freaking nothing to me. Nothing. Just mystifying. Yeah. yeah or, or, you know, I'd have memorized some stuff for the test, but it wouldn't have meant anything to me. And so I'm rereading The Great, Gaps, Great Gatsby with the same sort of belief. I read it years ago. It's often at the top of the list of the best books of all time. I read it and went, eh. And I think it's because I was 20-something at the time, and I'm going to reread it as an older person, see if it has a different effect on me. Like Guy this throws is a lot of parties. He's in a bad mood. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of 50-year-olds talking about life and the choices they made. If you're 25 and you have to read it, or you're 21 and you have to read it for college, what the hell does that mean to you? Nothing. Huh. But if you're reading about it when you are in your 50s and thinking about the choices you made in your life and the time you've got left, it can be a pretty powerful book. So I just thought that's interesting. Revisit some books you read when you were younger, now that you're older, and huh. they might have a completely different uh, impact on you. So uh, tell me more about this uh, Mrs. Dalloway. she hot or what? <laughs> She yeah, throws I'm, a, still, I'm trying to remain young. <laughs> it's one day in June of 1925. It's one of those books where it's just one day of her planning a party, which sounds dull on its face. But uh, you know, Virginia Woolf killed herself. She was suicidal, suicidal her whole life, but she killed herself. She put a whole bunch of rocks in her jacket pocket and walked out into the middle of a stream and sank. Hmm. That's a hell of a way to kill yourself, isn't it? Hmm. The old rock jacket. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me of the guy, he uh, he was fixing his back patio. He found at least 150 bowling balls buried in his backyard. What? Yeah. There's probably more. Do they have any, any idea why that is? Ancient cult. Maybe the Mayans. <laughs> no. The, the, bo- the no. bowling Mayans? There's they, a bad <laughs> name for you. <laughs> it's yours. You came up with it. Now we'll explain. Coming up. Hang around. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox, 
you can't go around it. So you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. For the second straight night, Miami's Little Havana filled up with hundreds of Cuban-Americans showing support for their Cuban brothers and sisters on the island and once again calling for change in the communist country. For more than an hour this afternoon, they even shut down traffic on a Miami highway by blocking the lanes. And Miami's mayor suggesting the U.S. might explore military intervention. Are you suggesting airstrikes in Cuba? What I'm suggesting is that that option is one that has to be explored and cannot be uh, just simply discarded as as an option that is not on the table. Mayors wow. have no uh, role in the leadership of our military, but uh, that's the mayor of Miami saying he supported military intervention in Panama, Kosovo, and Pakistan. Hmm. And uh, and and that's when he was asked by uh, Martha McCollum on Fox, "Are you suggesting airstrikes in Cuba?" What I'm suggesting is that an option and one that has to be explored and cannot just be discarded as an option that it's not on the table. Wow. Well, let's let's do a little clicking around. First of all, does Miami have its own air force? <laughs> the city of Miami. And is he in charge of it? Uh, Cuba's a pretty small country. 
um, for uh, airstrikes. I mean, how you would uh, you know only hit the 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 Cuban government and nobody else? Uh, I don't know how you'd pull that off. Uh, you, you know, you, you bomb their uh, presidential uh, palace or something. Okay. I don't know. Well, I'm not calling for the bombing of Cuba either. It's a, a kind of wacky idea. Right wing radio host calls he's... for bombing of Cuba. I, I understand the point he's making, though. I, hmm. The, the the Kosovo thing, the the Balkans thing, the moralized warfare where it seemed like one side was committing a genocide, was oppressing another people, blah blah. We're going to intercede. We're going to step in and stop the ugly. This is ugly. This is oppressive. This is going to result in death and torture and the rest of it. I mean, I I would love to take a uh, military ethics class or ethics or war class or or talk to somebody involved in that and say, all right, what are the differences? I got a plan. Why is one okay, not the other? I got a plan. The CIA trains up some Cubans in Florida. You you invade some bay. Let's try the Bay of Pigs. Seems like a good place. You do Mm. it in the middle of the night and uh, you overthrow Cuba or uh, Castro. That's what you do. I think Castro is dead. His uh-huh. brother is old, but uh, you'll overthrow whoever is in power. You know what struck me, though, from uh, yesterday's footage of Cuba was the streets were pretty clear because the regime, and you don't hold on to power as a dictator unless you're pretty good at dictating, they employed the whole, uh, all right, when y'all go home to sleep, you know what we're going to do? We're going to fill the streets and the parks and the places you're protesting with cops and soldiers. First five people show up to the uh, the demonstration, you get whacked on the head and thrown in the back of a police van, and if we turn you loose at all, you're going to be in pretty bad shape. Mm-hmm. Next ten people show up, we're doing the same to you. Then the next ten people after that say, eh, maybe I'll stay home today. Three quick things before we get to why were bowling balls buried in the yard. Bowl- why were bowling balls hundreds of bowling balls? Who among us, oh, split, uh, who among us hasn't had 30 or 40 bowling balls buried in our backyard? This guy had hundreds. The Hill is reporting that Russia is pressing the Afghan government to negotiate with the Taliban as the Taliban makes substantial territorial gains. Why is Russia playing a role in this? Interesting. And they're already negotiating. What are you talking about, I Russia? don't know. Um, the new mayor, or soon-to-be mayor of New York, that we've been talking about, this uh, Eric Adams dude, who uh, I like the cut of his jib. Aaron Burnett on CNN asked, do you agree with the, Bill de Blasio's decision to keep a mask mandate for students above the age of 12? He said, no, I do not. I really like the cut of his jib. No, oh, yeah. we're not going to have a mask mandate for kids. No, There's no evidence no. that you need to do that. Okay. Yeah. And then one final thing. The Iowa State Fair is back. After a year without state fairs, we got state yes. fairs this summer. This is, uh, I think, the set, now the second biggest state fair in America is in Iowa. I think Ohio overtook that crown. Anyway, um, new food items at this year's Iowa State Fair. Bacon fanny packs. Quebec, what now? Quebec-style poutine. I don't think I can say poutine on the air. Oh, Lord, um, but you did. Elk sausage. Pork rind nachos. Rattlesnake corn dogs. And bacon pickle macaroni cheese, which sounds delicious. I would eat a bowl of that. Uh, what was right that now. last one? Bacon. bacon and pickle macaroni and cheese. Yes, please. I know. Big bowl right now. Some of those I couldn't even tell what they were. <laughs> I assume they have a big picture of them there as you stand in line in the hot sun. Yeah, I don't know what a bacon fanny pack is. I don't know. It's, it sounds terrible. Anyway, so a guy had a bunch of bowling balls buried in his yard? A bunch! A bunch! <laughs> Why do you continue to diminish this story? <laughs> David Olson, he's 33 years old, um, and he lives in, and this becomes significant, 
As the page resets, I am going to smash you with a hammer. <laughs> uh, he was demolishing the back steps of his house uh, early July when he sees a black sphere buried in the sand next to some cinder blocks. And he says, oh, my gosh, that's a bowling ball. I didn't think a lot of it. I was kind of assuming maybe, uh, oh, and look, there's another one. No, no, okay, the first one, I think, that is weird. How did a oh, bowling yeah. ball end up in the yard? The second one, now I'd have to sit down and take a breath. I mean, it'd be like, why in the hell would there be two bowling balls buried in my yard? Yeah, and, and you know, that's the funny part. They really don't go into depth asking about the first bowling ball. What'd you think? Anyway, he thought, well, I'll be damned, apparently. <laughs> and he kept digging. And then he sees a couple more bowling balls. Then he sees several more. And he says, I realized it was basically an entire grid work of them uh, in there. Uh, I was actually kind of happy about it because it's a lot easier to roll bowling balls out of the way than move sand and figure out where to put all of that. So he's expanding his, his back deck, essentially. His initial count on Facebook totaled 50 balls, but he uncovered more and more. Or 25 Late- pair, if you will. <laughs> Later, he said we're up to 120. The final count sort of was 158, although Olson says he can feel more balls in the ground. Um, and in recent days, he's got two more, bringing it up so to 160. It's got to be a drainage thing sort of thing, um, I'm guessing, uh, like the way people stack rocks and stuff like that in certain areas. But uh, bowling balls would be expensive. It just seems odd that you wouldn't use rock if it was drainage as opposed to bowling balls. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, but when he first discovered the balls, Mr. Olson said his thoughts went to his three curious young children, and he contacted Brunswick Bowling Products, the maker of the bowling balls, and asked whether they could be toxic. Uh, they sent him a response. They said, no, the, the after running the serial numbers, they were made in the 1950s. They were safe. You can dispose of them. They shouldn't be any problem to So they're uh, vintage anyone. bowling balls. They might be worth something. Yeah, a lot of them in rough condition. Each of them had two spiral grooves cut in them to render them useless. Well, as for the ball's origins, uh, this guy uh, Olson lives in Muskegon, Michigan. He said there used to be a Brunswick bowling ball plant in Muskegon. Whoever you think you are, whoever you think you are, I am! What? I don't understand your taunt. (laughs) That's what I would say. And if they didn't get it, I'd say, what, you don't know the best bowling taunt of all time from the great Pete Weber? Pete Weber. Anyway, some ex-Brunswick employees contacted him through his Facebook post and said workers used to take scrapped bowling balls home to use as cheaper alternatives to gravel or sand as landfill. Gotcha. See, he says he plans to use the balls as edging for his landscaping or to make sculptures. He's already donated several to a nearby church. Oh, I I almost stopped reading. The church said, thanks for the old bowling ball? Oh, no, 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 no. Now listen to this. He also donated eight balls for a nearby church. I'm going to stop once again. You haven't been to church lately? You're thinking, what's in it for me? My soul's shot anyway. You're thinking maybe it's boring, whatever. You want to go to this church? I will now finish the sentence. He donated eight balls for a nearby church to use in a bowling ball cannon at a pig roast. (laughs) Praise God. Did we come up with our clip? Come on, we don't have the clip? We can't find the clip? For crying out loud, the best bowling clip of all time, we got to have that like under B for bowling. Well, let me know when you find it. I'm going to be at the pig roast watching the bowling ball cannon at church.
That's the wow. coolest church ever. No kidding. Bowling ball cannon. Well, they're having trouble filling the pews these days. You know, attendance is down. What can we do to get people into our church? The whole, uh, you know, saving your soul for eternity is not selling. How about it's if we out. shoot bowling balls after the pig roast? Oh, that'll do it. Let's see. A cannons and hog. <laughs> I'm telling you, your kids would want to go. It's, that's fantastic. Come on. We got to have the clip. We don't have the clip. Who's got the Right. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> Sounds like he's mad. Sounds like he hit his. Sounds like when I hit my thumb with a hammer. God, God, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Oh, God. Not to swear in front of your kids. It's funny, I was watching The Simpsons the other night, and they were talking about the soul. Bart sold his soul to Milhouse, and I was talking about religion, and Milhouse said, you don't want to do that, Bart. And Bart said, religion is just something they made up to scare children, like the boogeyman and Michael Jackson, which I thought was a very funny line <laughs> about selling his soul. God, God, God. Step one in crafting your taunt. Make sure your opponent is able to understand it. <laughs> your mother is what I am, and I think it. Sorry? Five. Are you kidding me? That's right. Who do you think you are? I am. Are you talking to me? Or? Uh, pardon me? <laughs> Who do you think you are? I am. I'm sorry. I what just don't understand about? you. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Texas Democrats taking a major stand for voting rights. It is a dramatic yet effective move that the National Democratic Party would do well to try and pay attention to. Leaving their legislative chamber without a quorum was the last best thing they thought they could do to preserve voting rights there and try to defeat the Republican voter suppression bill. The Texas Democrats fighting back in the face of Republicans' very successful voter suppression drive. Texas Democrats fleeing their state in a last-ditch effort to block a restrictive new voting law as the GOP is pushing its assault on our most sacred right as Americans, the right to vote. Yeah, right. You know what's interesting? I was just reading how Chicago cops are outnumbered 10 to 1 by gang members, and, and they're quitting in droves, resigning in droves. People aren't arguing about jobs and, and public safety and crime and all. The focus is on these Jim Crow voting laws. I wonder if that's intentional. Huh? I don't know. Uh, again, for the umpteenth time today, the new Texas election bill would require at least nine hours a day of early voting during the early voting period and then 12 hours a day during the last week of early voting. Nine it's like hours, Jim Crow. Nine hours during the uh, early part of early voting, and then the last week, multiple weeks here, 12 hours a day to vote. Um, so during the Jim Crow era, black people were allowed to vote 12 hours a day. Okay, Mr. President, you've, you've informed us. Thanks for teaching us about history. Anyway, we've talked a lot about that today, and I'm sure we will more in the future. Tim Sandifer, who we had on yesterday, get the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com, he tweeted this out. 
Religions like this are what destroy civilizations. What religion is he talking about? Wokeism, which is its own religion, a weird religion, and particularly in the publishing industry, which uh, I don't know if you've been following this, but it's getting harder and harder to get books published unless they fit certain narratives, or, or the big publishing houses just won't touch them. Uh, here's the Twitter thread. On woke hysteria in New York publishing, my friend, a person of color, was told by his high-powered agent that New York won't touch his novel, a gritty urban coming-of-age story informed by personal experience, unless he rewrites the protagonist to match his own ethnicity. The agent, one of the best focusing on literary fiction, put out feelers with his go-to editors, even subjected the novel to the depredations of a sensitive reader. Whatever that means. The verdict that was, means. The verdict was that New York will only let a person of ex-ethnicity write main characters of, of ex-ethnicity. My friend's novel is a product of 15-plus years of steady labor. Um, he went to one of the best MFA programs in the country, has a slew of successful authors eager to promote his work, blah, blah, blah. It's close to a guaranteed success as it gets for a debut in literary fiction, but the big five publishing houses won't touch it because it is somebody of a different color writing about, you know, the main person in the character is not their color. How crazy is that? Yeah. How crazy is this world that we're now living in? Yeah, yeah. There's an interview that we'll get to eventually. Uh, Conan O'Brien was talking to Sean Penn, who normally I find obnoxious. But Sean Penn made the point. I thought it was pretty clever. He said, we're getting to the point where only Danish princes will be allowed to play Hamlet. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. Absolutely. It's just really weird, isn't it? Well, right. And if you slice it thin enough, I mean... I can't play a criminal. I'm not one. The criminals ought to rise up and protest it. You're taking away uh, jobs from criminal actors. How thin are we going to slice it? But now it's a guy writing a book. So right. you can't, in fiction, I can't imagine any character apparently other than my race and probably, I certainly probably couldn't write about a woman. I could well, not wow. write a book where the lead character, like first person lead character is a woman. I'm not allowed to do that in fiction. Well, right. What? If you... If your protagonist has to be exactly like you in everything you write, I mean, racially speaking, and, and cisgendered and, and, and male and the rest of it, well, then what about like a just below the main character? I mean, like the main foil. Maybe it's the uh, antagonist. Am I allowed to write that person of a but different could, hue or could, what? Could Tolstoy not have gotten Anna Karenina published? Because where does he get off writing a thousand pages about a woman's inner thoughts? As a oh, man. that's so misogynist. That is so paternalistic. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, we, we're getting stupider and stupider as a species. Uh, I would like Twain? to hear evolutionary biologists uh, write about that. Mark Twain couldn't written uh, couldn't have written about any of the uh, the black figures to to point out racism in America. Sorry, you can't do it. You're a white guy. You know, I first became acquainted with the concept of devolution uh, back in the eighties. When uh, the band Devo came out with their wacky uniforms and their jerky music and the rest of it. We listened to Whip It in the car just the other day. Fantastic. You know what that song's about, don't you? I have no idea. Nah, don't worry about it. Um, so anyway, uh, I read that they named themselves after the idea of devolution. I did some reading about it, and that's the idea that beasts will hit a certain point in the evolutionary uh, ape, well, the, an apex. And then for whatever reasons, they will start to get dumber and weaker. Huh. And you think we're doing that? What? <laughs> I lost my train of thought. You know you want a happy ending. I'm Jack Armstrong and you get Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. The Haunting Echo. 
Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap the show up for the day. There he is, pressing the buttons in the control room, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought? Yeah, you know, the highlight to me today was when the entire A&G crew went running down the hall yelling and screaming to get donuts, and our more serious, proper co-workers looked at us in horror. It was just great. Yeah. I will not eat a donut. I'm better than you. Uh, Alex, do you have a final thought ready for us? I, I can't remember. Are you officially in or what? I am in. I was watching last night's Major League All-Star game. Game was a little lackluster, but I loved the tribute to Hank Aaron before the game. Oh, cool. Just wish it was in Atlanta where he probably uh, would have gotten a greater right. greater appreciation. That was the whole point, that they were aiming that at the Atlanta crowd. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't do that, though, because of those Jim Crow laws. Uh, Jack, a final thought? I ran down the hall. I ate three da- have eaten three so far. I'm not done yet um we got to figure out as a show are we going to manage the decline of this nation and try to keep you amused as we go down or are we going to try to fight against it because fighting against it is going to be pretty dark every day pointing out all the problems because we got a lot of cracks you know that's funny you read my mind my final thought was going to be fairly similar do we liberate ourselves by giving up (laughs) yeah yeah that's what i'm saying And, and just Enjoy the the decay, or or do we fight it, or do we fight it with uh, with uh, mockery? That's that's our go to. I'm fighting my pant size with those three donuts. I'll tell you that. You're like a lion. You just that poor antelope. <laughs> Wolfie, Armstrong, you get it right. with another grueling four hour workday. Can a lion wolf down food? There's a question for you. <laughs> so many people thanks so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have some great hot links for you. All the stories we talked about, Twitter threads we read, that sort of thing. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Get yourself one of those red, white, and blue AG t-shirts. Very popular. God bless America. Goodbye, sweet America. Get. Go away. I mean, I'm... The void we created furthered the confusion. Half cup full, half cup empty. Halfsies on that. So let's go out with the bangs. Do you listen to the Armstrong and Getty show? Relentless negativity. I love it. I listen to country music. Oh, no, you should tune in the Armstrong and Getty show. They'll make you wish you weren't alive. When you're not terrified, you'll be depressed. It's great. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
It's been a wild ride. And now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 